This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 68. Now, I've got a little surprise for you today. I'm going to be teaching a webinar on color matching in colored pencil. Now, a lot of people charge for webinars. This is totally free. And if you're not informed, uh, a webinar is just an online seminar. So be sure and head over to the show notes and register for your spot. There's not a lot of spots available. And enjoy the show today. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Anything new? Lisa? You know, you, you surprise me every time, and then I, every I get time. stumped. It's like every time I am stumped by your... Well, you business. always feel... You get so awkward if I say hi, so I thought I would change it up just a little bit. I don't want to... Wanna... Oh, I'm going to try some Liquitex pouring medium next week, so I'm kind of excited about that, but... Oh, yeah. that sounds interesting. a very boring life. There is nothing new. Well, this is the art podcast where we verbalize the visual every Monday. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today? We are continuing on with color theory, but we're going to talk a bit more about the practical application. Yes, we are. All right. So, yeah, let's start off with some practical applications of color theory. One of the things that we always want to concern ourselves with when we start a new project in color pencil is we want to figure out the color matching. And because we do not mix our colors on a palette or anything outside of the project, we do it directly on the project, then we want to practice and test that on the same type of paper, the same type of support that we're using on our project. So let's go over some color matching tips here, some, some mechanics of this and what you could do, what you could use here. Number one, I think you, could, you can use a hole punch in uh, the paper that you're testing on and run that over your physical paper that you printed out if you're not doing it in Photoshop and using an eyedropper or something like that. we're going to talk a bit more about that. I'm going to let you talk about this because I want to bring in how that ties in as well. Okay, that'd be very good because, yeah, that's another very effective way of of color matching. But even if you do that, we still need the tools you're talking about here. It kind of all goes together. Yeah. So, okay. So use the hole punch and then you can isolate that color that you're wanting to match and, you know, do several, do about three, maybe four. If it's a very, very difficult color and you cannot get an exact match on the hue, if you, if in your mind, you're like, I don't even know what color this is, then isolating that particular portion of your reference is very, a very good thing to do. And then you just pull out some colors and start playing around with it, coloring around that hole next to that color that you've isolated. One of the things that I've found that works really well with a graduation in color from one particular hue to the other 
If I'm looking at something that is uh, fading from one hue to another hue in my reference, is I use the edge of the paper. Just take the very edge of the paper, and then I can do a graduation in uh, my colored pencils as I'm laying them down. And, you know, take one, and maybe I've got a you know, let's let's talk about maybe a blue to a, a violet color, and maybe I've got a blue on one side, and then I'm fading that, and and I'm becoming lighter in my pressure as I fade over towards the violet area, and maybe I'm going to use red as one of the complementary colors to lean that blue into a violet direction, and then maybe I'm going to use uh, a violet color as well, uh, maybe a third option, you know, on there. So anyway. You play around with that, and you figure out what your recipe is going to be, and then you write that down. You write the order in which you applied that, and that makes a difference in colored pencil, uh, the order that you're applying the the, uh, uh, the colored pencils to each other, because it's not always going to look exactly the same. Uh, now, I don't get overly stressed about that. I know some people... Uh, do kind of obsess over that a little bit, but I do notice that in in certain situations it does it does make a big difference, especially if there's a huge contrast in two or three colors that you're blending together. Uh, it can make a big difference. So you write down that recipe, and I try to lean everything a little bit brighter at the beginning, especially. You know, if I need to push something back, I can use a complementary color or the opposite color, same thing, and I can just sort of mute that saturation down just a little bit by doing that. Okay, that leads now, me to. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Here's the thing: you may look at something and think that it's kind of blue when it's really more of a brown. I had this happen on some roses I recently painted. Sometimes, depending on the color that's next to it, it will create the illusion that that color is not what you think it is. An mm -hmm. easy, easy way to test this. I mean, heck, we can bring up, remember the blue and gold dress, that ridiculous debate right. that went on for so long? I didn't understand that debate, just kind of a side story here, when people were asking, well, is it blue or is it gold? Well, as an artist, if I'm going to paint this, I know that that is a periwinkle type purpley blue, and I know what colors I need to mix to make that happen, because right. that's what color is actually there. I don't care what you call it. I know what colors I have to mix to make it happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah, exactly. what you name the thing. It always made me laugh with people arguing on that. Like, it doesn't matter if the dress is gold. In this photo, this is what color that is. You know how I know? Photoshop. You can use right. the Photoshop eyedropper tool, which you brought up earlier. That can make it so much easier for you to tell where, where your starting point is because I love the hole punch method of coloring around that. But if you don't know what that color is, if your brain, for whatever reason, thinks that it's blue when it should be more brown, which is what happened to me last week, the color th doing the... Photoshop eyedropper tool. And if you don't know what we're talking about, I have a video. It's an older one, but it shows you how to do that. And I also have a video showing you how to use apps on your phone, free apps to do the same thing. And it's for Android or um, Apple, iOS. I believe has the same app. So uh, you can see exactly how to do that. But sometimes it's really hard to determine, okay, is that orange or is that pink? I can't tell. If you use these eyedropper tools, it can give you a great starting point to give you a better idea on which which pencils to pull from your set in the first place and then mm -hmm. go and use the hole punch method or the edge of the paper. Use these techniques that John's talking about that if you're so confused about whether something is brown or, or 
blue, like what I, I keep bringing up last week because it was like a serious issue. It looked terrible when I painted the blue and realized, oh my gosh, that's the wrong color. But you, the using Photoshop can solve so many of your problems in figuring out those colors. Yeah, it can, because then when you look at that palette, it will reveal to you what the actual true hue is and not mixed with that chroma down there if you've got, you know, if it's a darker, you because know, muddy color. Because the color next to it can create an illusion of it being a color that it is not. And if you don't get that right, then the overall end result is going to be not quite what you were going for. So when you start mixing some of these colors, then there are some ways to evaluate this color swatching, this color matching with these swatches with colored pencil. One of the things I try to do is I ask myself a series of questions. When I put down the color, then I say, is my color too dark or too light? And that's one of the things I want to determine uh, pretty early on. And then the second thing I want to ask is, is my color too warm or is it too cool you know does it lean one way or the other and then adding some other color might create a muddy appearance and that's that's not typically what what i want i want to get to the true hue of what i think that is before i concern myself with going in a uh, a more valued direction where i'm where i'm creating the shade of whatever that color is and the reason why i do that the reason why i say that is because you can always mute that color down, again, by using the complementary color. Mute it down into more of a muddy, a muddier type of appearance. So if you remember, looking back at your color wheel, warm colors are, you know, the oranges, the yellows, the reds. And then on the opposite end there, you've got the cool colors all the way from greens and the blues and the, the violets. And, you know, there's some argument whether, you know, blue and orange are the opposites in the most extreme of warm and cool or whether that is a violet and yellow. Well, we but really it doesn't really people, matter. To and me. sometimes reds are cools and sometimes they're worms, too. You can have a well, cool or a bring red. that. I was going to bring that up. But let's wait just a second. That will. That, that, I'm too excited can, about talking about it now. That can. get OK, let's do it. I'm kidding. Because I'm kidding. That, <laughs> that can't. That. OK. <laughs> All right, so is my color, is it more neutral is another question. So the third thing that I think about, though, is, is my color, I'm asking myself this question about the color. Is my color more neutral or is it more of a saturated color? Is it highly uh, saturated? And th and then I'm, I'm making that comparison. Is mine more neutral or more saturated than the reference that I'm looking at? That will help me to determine which direction I want to go with creating my color match. So, Lisa, we're going to talk about some tips for creating white in colored pencil. I just think this is a fascinating topic because I remember the first time that I got a commission and I was going to draw a white dog. This is several years ago. And I thought, how... How am I going to draw a white dog? I always use white paper. I use white <laughs> Stonehenge. And I thought, that this can't be done, you know. And I went through some of that in my head for a minute. and, and uh, But then, you know, started thinking about that more. And it was, it was one of the most enjoyable experiences that I've had in colored pencil. Because you can use every color that you want. Uh-huh. A white is just reflecting back every single color. So you can even you can even go very uh, with a real high saturation level, and in those shadows you just layer you know the reds, greens, blues, pinks, and oranges all on top of one another. You know those rainbow colors are in the white. And it's just 
really I exciting. actually, it, it's easier for me to describe this with painting than it is with colored pencil, mm-hmm. but the end result is the same. When right. I'm painting a white animal, I start with a pretty dark color. It's going to start dark blue or a grayish color, and then I'm going to put white highlights on top of it, but most of that animal the grays and the blues are what show through. And then whether or not it's gray or blue or whatever color depends on what the, the surroundings are. I mean, if you've got an animal in a on a red blanket, you're going to have reds picking up in the their coat. So it just depends on what's around there. But yeah, it's... I start with that really dark base. There is not very much actual white in a white subject, whether it be an right. animal, no matter what right. it is you're doing. Not a whole lot of white is actually going to show through. But it's still going to look white when you're done. Yeah. And to get those neutrals, I mean, in, in colored pencil, it's kind of fun because you can get the grays, the browns, and, and all of that by layering all of those brighter primary and secondary colors, uh, all the rainbow colors in there. And it's just kind of exciting because then you start to show some dimension and some uh, some curve and some vibrancy and some life in your uh, project. But then it's it's also a lot of fun. To move in there with uh, some grays or some browns or whatever and mute those down if you need to in the the most recessed areas or the deepest shadowed areas, and that's a lot of fun too. White is just one of those really, really fun things to draw, I think. You know, I feel the same about really dark colors, whether it be super dark brown or actual black, like I did a Black Panther Mm -hmm. a while back. And that is just so much fun because of the way that the colors shine. The colors, there was more color in that than there are flowers that I draw. I had purples and blues and greens. I mean, there were so many colors. That was a lot of fun. But you're not just going, again, like the white, you're not going to go solid black. It's very little black compared to all the other colors that you end up using. Yeah, because what happens then if you use solid white, obviously, or just gray tones or just black tones or whatever is... You miss out on creating something that looks more three-dimensional, and things start to just appear kind of flat. Exactly. Kind of just it don't pop off the page like you really want. And actually, it's funny. We're talking about this. I'm actually drawing a candle, and it's a white candle in the uh, Sharpened Artist Academy for the Beginner's Killer Pencil course. It's so much fun, but I am using a toned uh, surface for that, but still using a lot of colors in there, and it's just, just a lot of fun. Okay, and to kind of sum up on color theory and continue our discussion just a little bit on a practical application for color pencil and color theory, I find that it's a little easier for me to go slightly brighter and slightly more vibrant with my colors in the beginning and then add the complementary colors like I alluded to earlier to mute that down, go in the other direction. If I go in the other direction, it's very difficult because you have a harder time with colored pencil making something brighter once you've made it uh, more neutral. I found the exact same. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind there. And then with regard to warm and cool within each hue. Now, this is something that this will come with time. But, I mean, you can start to learn this on your own. You can start thinking about it and practicing this, I guess, a little bit. But, I mean, just like a yellow. A yellow can be warm or it can be cool. You know, an orange, a green, any of these. They they can lean in a certain direction or they can have a bias. Uh, You may see that. Uh, reference in books on color theory. And so if we're talking about yellow, then a yellow ochre um, is going to have a warmer 
hue to it than a lemon yellow. That will be a lemon yellow will be a cool color. That's something to just begin to start understanding. And once you do, it it becomes very intuitive. It does help you because then you won't, you know, you won't create something that'll start turning to mud uh, accidentally on your project. Yeah, and that is definitely. With greens, you can get away with mixing your cools and where all shades of green look good together. Um, it's a pretty co- cool color just because of that. Like in home decorating, you can use any green and they all look great. Yellowy greens, bluish greens, they all look beautiful together. Blues, on the other hand, or a lot of these other colors, I yeah. don't typically mix my cools and my warms. For example, when I'm painting and I'm using phalo blue, I may mix it so that it's lighter or darker, has more of a gray tone, but I always stick with the phalo blue. I'm not going to mix phalo and ultramarine together where I've got that cool blue very, very rarely in a piece. Will I ever use those two together? I just don't like how it looks. No, so. I don't either. And that, but and the same is true with colored pencil and the blues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you start seeing, and what we're talking about there is a, like a phthalo blue. You see a little more red, and you you got to yeah. start looking at those things. And I, I'm I'm just saying, if you want to learn color theory, that it, this is so helpful. I think if you start looking at a color, and I'm talking about just you know taking a walk or driving to work out in nature. And saying, okay, is this, you know, this tree, the overall predominant hue that I'm looking at, is it more cool or warm or, you know, something like that? Or the blue sky. Okay, right now is this sky, is it more, Is do I see red and pink in this sky? Or is it just, you know, is it a cool kind of uh, blue instead? And if you start thinking in that direction, you'll get better at this. It's it's like a muscle memory thing. It's something that you exercise and you'll get better at it. In fact, there were some monkeys that scientists had injected an additional cone into their eyes so that they could see more color. And the interesting th- uh, thing about it was that they actually could not see that new color. They would reward these uh, animals with grape juice if they were able to identify the new color, but they couldn't see it. But after a while, they started to be able to see the new color. It was introduced to them very, very slowly. It's interesting because some of the things we know about cultures and if they are able to identify colors, if they're something that they discuss or they have a vocabulary for, then they're able to identify color. Now, we can take a look at um, the people that walk around among us, the 25% or so, I'm told, (laughs) that are known as tetrachromats. Only something found in women. That's because uh, the two X chromosomes that they have the ability to have, instead of a trichromat type of cones in their eyes, there's the option that there are some women who have an additional cone, red cone, and they can see more color than the rest of us because of that fourth cone. Most of us only have three cones, red, green, and blue. I mean, it's not unlike a printer. A printer can print many, many variations of colors, and they only have three basic colors that they use as well. So now scientists have had a really tough time trying to prove this and trying to pin this down. They have been able to pinpoint at least one that I was able to determine through researching this a little bit that was able to see additional colors. But the interesting thing about it was they had a landscape artist 
uh, who was male and cannot have the extra cones in his eyes. And he was able to see the same thing that this uh, this woman was with the extra really? uh, cones in her eyes. Yes. That's so interesting. It's, yeah. So it's something that you can develop. You can see. So there's something about our eyesight that is so powerful. So I think that's interesting. But but here's the thing. So we can see millions of colors, but a tetrachromat can see potentially hundreds of millions. But most of the ones that have been interviewed that they have been able to research and, and give them uh, test swatches of color have not panned out. They've not been able to identify those additional colors. Why? Because they probably just don't have a vocabulary for it. They don't, they, their brain has turned that part off. They just can't see it because they've not learned how to see those colors. But, you know, I've also uh, read some literature about uh, different tribes that were analyzed. They looked at, at some of the writings and, and things that uh, they would describe, and they would use colors to describe certain things. And when they showed them the color blue, which was very absent from their vocabulary um they couldn't they couldn't see it they couldn't pronounce it and i I don't know why i don't know why they couldn't look up at the sky and see blue but you could look at that research i think you could probably find it quite easily did you read that it's so odd i don't know about that yeah but apparently that was a reputable thing but i mean it's so interesting that unless you have a vocabulary for something you're not going to learn it as easily. It won't come as naturally. So I think artists do have an unfair advantage with regard to learning color because we, we're using color. And so we're thinking about color. We're looking at colors differently. And that's think, what I was talking about earlier, or I think it was last week, actually, about it comes down to practice. If you don't yeah. practice it and you don't experience it, it doesn't matter how much color theory you study. Until you start doing it, it's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. All right, so very quickly then, opposite colors, grab your color wheel if uh, you need to do that. But, you know, just take a look at that. Just refresher from, from school and think about those in your, in your next piece if you don't think about that already. Um, you know, get your, your reds and your greens or your, your yellow and, and violet or blue and orange. And one of the things that I try to think about is that if I'm using complementary colors in a piece and I'm thinking – you know, it, it's very obvious I'm doing that, then typically you want one of those colors to be more predominant than the other one because then it's an accent to the predominant colors. Say you're using violet and yellow, then if violet is the predominant color, then you want to use yellow to a lesser extent, not an equal amount of both because something else happens with that. It, it just becomes overwhelming and it becomes distracting uh, often or makes us feel uneasy sometimes when we look at something that is too opposite, um, too much busyness going on in one piece. Analogous colors, or sometimes referred to as adjacent colors, there are three colors right beside one another. Let's take like uh, orange, yellow-orange, yellow, yellow, and a yellow-green. You know, the, Those look very nice together, and the reason for that is because we often see that in nature. You know, We're looking at a tree. You're never going to see just a, a true green uh, tree. You're going to see a, a variety, and typically those colors are going to be close to one another on the color wheel, if we're thinking about it mm-hmm. with regard to the color wheel. 
And then a monochromatic palette is also another strong type of palette to use in colored pencil work, as it is with uh, any painting medium or anything else. But it can be very striking. You know, we don't need to see color to get around in this world and to survive and live. I mean, we've dealt with uh, black and white photography and television for a long time, and, you know, that was just fine. And people that have uh, any... A spectrum of color blindness get along just fine in this world and it's because you know uh, that very thing we you know we're able to judge values and that's a very uh, strong way of experiencing the world and art is no different so now another thing that is just so helpful if you're working and this is typical because a lot of our colored pencils I think are so vibrant. If yeah. you've got a color that is just wow that's fluorescent green, you can tone it down by adding its complementary color which is going to be red and the complementary color is just whatever is exactly opposite from that color on the color wheel. So if mm -hmm. your yellow is just wow that's yellow, add a little bit of purple to that mixture or into that layer that will tone it down a lot. Now of course right. practice on your your scratch piece of paper because you will get different results depending on which layer which color you put down first and how much and all of that but by adding a colors complementary so you've got red and green orange and blue and purple and yellow those will give you a much much more neutralized color a more natural color than the wow that's really red or wow right, that's really right. green yeah, and, and that's uh, – I don't know about you, but that that's something that just lights my fire. I love doing that. I, I that's love how I do that. And here's a little pro tip colors. for you guys. If you are trying to draw blonde hair, I get that mm. color more often than not by mixing yellow and purple because hair is never going to be yellow. It doesn't matter if the person right. has blonde hair or not. Unless something went terribly wrong with their dye job, there should not be actual yellow in their hair. But by mixing purple and yellow together, you get this very nice, neutral, natural color that works beautifully for hair. Mm -hmm. Same thing well, with and drawing makes, That kind of makes sense even with regard to skin, human skin, mm -hmm. too, because oh, absolutely. it's, you know, the grayish uh, color. It, there's a lot of, you know, we're all on that orange, that orange spectrum is where we are. And with that hue, with regard to that hue, and well, it just it just leans one way or the other. An easy way and to understand chroma. that too is m more so with painting. But when mm -hmm. I paint, when I mix colors for skin, it doesn't matter what race or skin tone that person has. Right. I will always use green and red. They're going to neutralize each other, and right. some variation of yellow and possibly white if if I need to lighten that up. But right. that's pretty much going to cover every race. That red and oh, green yeah. every time. Yeah, the, just the degree to which you're applying that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. How much red the, versus how much green versus how much yellow? It's it's different, mm -hmm. but those are the colors. That is how I will almost. And there are exceptions, of course, depending on lighting and such. But those are generally the colors that I'm going to use, and it's going to give me a very natural look. The pigmentation in the skin, though, yeah, that that makes sense because uh, you know it's just it's just a, a different variation on that same hue. Really, we're not all that different in color in, in our coloration a couple of closing tips here then opposites go very well with each other but the eye needs some areas to rest we need to be able to look at some shadowed areas so that the eyes can say oh that's calm that's that's soothing right there i mean that's where those values really play a big part so one of the things that you'll notice is if you see a very highly saturated hdr edited photo reference 
that can become very unsettling and your and your eye is busy looking around at it and while it may be attractive on some level there's no shadows because it, it erases shadows and it brings out all the detail in the shadows and so your eye has a hard time adjusting to that because it's not reality and it's like ah where do i rest where do i calm down you know and then one other thing just in closing here, a warm palate can convey a lot of calm, uh, some gentleness and some re- relaxation, uh, or it can also portray life and liveliness and some action, that kind of thing. And whereas a cool palate can portray uh, distance, if we want something pushed further back, we can often add blue into it for that. Uh, it can also make something appear cooler in temperature. Well, as always, you can find the show notes over there at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And we really appreciate you all listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Right. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> and you can find that over at <laughs> www. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> uh, it's so obvious. <laughs> Swallowing helps so much more than coughing. Often people think that. I remember that from voice classes. You swallow, you don't cough, you're just bringing up more phlegm. Mm. All right. That was lovely. Enjoy that image. Okay. <laughs> so.